two weeks ago, um, I, I went, I, I started, um, a thing happened with me and my daughter on the front row up here. And I said it last time, uh, when Peter and Phoebe Sozy was here and they were singing the song breathe to a, a video that was being shown of the, uh, Ugandan kids. And, you know, it sings, this is the air breathe and I'm desperate for you. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm lost without you. And Ruth Ann just looked up at me and just said, am I desperate for God? And, you know, I, I was even thinking about it today. And, you know, I've, I've, I've sat out there and heard people talk about their kids. And, you know, I, I've had those reactions like, oh, come on, would you please move on? But that's not me at all. Uh, it, it truly still touches me. And I think, it's, I think it touches the father's heart. Uh, that's what is touching me is. I felt like it was one of those statements where God would have said, that will be remembered. Do you know how through scripture, he, he said more than once, you'll be remembered because of this. And I'm not trying to place any um, reward or anything on her. She has no idea I'm talking about it. It happened so long ago, she may not even remember it at all. But I felt like the Lord is saying, that's what I remember. Is when a heart truly says, where am I? Do I really love God the way I'm supposed to love him? And for her to ask her parent, not ask her brother or sister, or maybe just think it, but to say, Dad, do I, am I desperate? And it's really hitting home on me, you know, to say, Mommy, am I desperate? What a question. What does it mean to be desperate for God? Again, I'm going to go over a couple of the definitions. Desperate means having lost hope. A desperate spirit crying for relief. Moved by despair or victims made desperate by abuse. Suffering extreme need or anxiety. Involving extreme danger or possible disaster of extreme intensity. Does that describe your relationship to God? Many do not come to church. Many do not want a relationship with God because it makes you change something. A genuine relationship brings change, whether it's with a spouse or with a friend or with a brother or sister or a parent. If you're going to get to know someone, you're going to change. You are going to be spoken into and you are going to speak into situations. You know, I was reading today about Hezekiah and the Lord said, you're going to die. Go tell him you're going to die. And he said, wait, Lord, I've done everything. I, th I feel like I've done what you've called me to do. And what did the Lord do? He gave him 15 more years. The relationship is two directional. Do you know that Moses, God was going to wipe out the children of Mo the children of Israel. And Moses says, but God, you said this. And what did God say? Okay. I won't do it. I was going to make a nation out of you. But okay. God hears us. And do you remember last time we talked about a child crying? And how there are distinct sounds that you know when, it, when a child is hurt or in dire need. Or they're just wanting their way. If you're a parent, you know that. You know some cries we don't even pay attention to. In fact, it's so funny, you don't even hear it. Have you ever noticed that some things with your children you don't even hear? You've, you have learned to tune out. 
but uh, the other night, all of a sudden, I heard a huge thud on the uh, upstairs, and it, it sounded like one of the kids had fallen out off the bed. And you know what it sounds like when a book falls off the bed or their toy falls off the bed, but when a kid hits the floor, it sounds different. And what happens? You're running with everything you got. There's a difference. And, you know, we talked about um, the nursing mother and the, uh, the child when it cries. Provision comes when the true hunger cry comes. Provision comes. The mother doesn't have to think about it. Doesn't have to do anything special. God has arranged it so that when the baby cries, provision comes. That was God's doing, creation. And I believe the same way in kingdom. When we cry out according to kingdom, provision comes right away. Right away. You know, I believe it was Daniel that was praying for 21 days and it said that the Lord sent help right away. Sent help right away, but it took 21 days for that angel to get through heaven through all the demons to get to him, but that he was sent the second the prayer went up. I believe provision comes when we genuinely speak to God the way he, the way he has designed us to speak to him. Not out of our want, not out of our selfishness, but out of our true need. When we are truly in need and we cry out to God, I believe he provides immediately. It may not be the way you think. It may not be the way you want. But I believe that the Lord will provide every single time. Another word for desperate is hunger. A craving or urgent need for food or a specific nutrient. An uneasy sensation occasioned by the lack of food. A weak condition brought on because of the lack of food. Or a strong desire. Hunger. You know, and as you think about this word hunger, uh, you've you got to define that hunger. Is that hunger out of genuine need or is it out of my want? How many, and I, I've said this more than once, how many know that you can, you can eat and not be hungry? You can have cravings and not be hungry. I, I told you all that uh, Elizabeth had, had once told me that it's, it's a good idea not to eat until your stomach growls. And I made mention that I didn't remember the last time my stomach had growled. You know, we live in a, we don't have to wait for anything. I can have food in my hands in five minutes. We're that close to McDonald's. We don't wait for anything. Strength will come to those who wait upon the Lord. God is such a good God. He gave everything for us. He provided for our every need, but he has given us a free will. We have the choice whether or not to serve him or not. We have that choice. Do you remember what I said last week or two weeks ago? Strength will come to those who wait on the Lord. Do you remember we kind of think we want to we want to rethink that scripture? Doesn't mean sitting around waiting necessarily. But the word wait means to wait or to wait upon or to serve like a waiter. Strength will rise to those who are serving the Lord. It's a choice. He doesn't make us do anything. He wants us to choose him. 
The quality of our walk, do you remember this? The quality of our walk, our relationship with God is not based on how much God wants it. It's based on how much you want it. That's, that's pretty deep if you'll let that sink in. You wonder, you wonder why you, where you are with God. Well, it, it's not God's mess up. He didn't miss, he didn't miss his appointment. He didn't have a responsibility to fulfill and he didn't because he wasn't paying attention. The responsibility and and the the falling short falls on us. Really, I I think it ultimately comes down to I don't think we really realize how much God loves us. How much he genuinely cares for us and what we're thinking and what we're doing and how we're succeeding or how we're failing. It's a choice. He has done it all. He is looking. Do you know that he is looking for you to choose him? And you know what the choice is? It's a choice of humility. You know, it's humbling to admit you need a savior. To admit you need help. Is that not hard? That's hard. It's humbling to admit you need help. What is humility? Humility, humbleness is not proud or haughty, not arrogant or assertive. It's reflecting, expressing, or offered in a spirit of deference or submission. Not submission. Yes, we are all to submit, to come under. But immediately, no, no. But what's the opposite of that? It's pride. It's proud. It's arrogant. It's haughty. It's lordly. It's insolent. It's overbearing. It's disdainful. It's having or displaying excessive self-esteem. It's showing scorn for inferiors. Claiming for oneself more consideration or importance than is warranted. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 16 says, He gave you manna in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. Does God test us? Yes. God tests us. Why? To see where you are. He, you know what? He already knows where you are. I believe it's to show you where you are. God already knows. If God asks you a question, realize he knows the answer. Don't try to give him the answer that you want. I'm going to tell the story again. I bet I've told it 20 times since I've been pastor. Um, Joseph Garlington uh, is a pastor in Pittsburgh, one of, one of my favorite speakers. He's an African-American, and he's a bishop. Uh, I got to see him in, in uh, Chattanooga at Ron Phillips's church. Very smart man. Talks about quantum, quantum worship. Is that right, Justin? You remember? <laughs> you were with me because you proph- he prophesied over me. Justin did, and it, he was right on. But uh, he was at an aquarium and looking at fish and looking at this big old nasty fish and thinking, God, why in the world would you make something like that? And you know what the Lord said to him? I didn't make it for you. I made it for me. That was for me. But he, 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 the Lord once asked him a question. He was driving down the road and 
He was going to Walmart or some shopping center and he's trying to pull in to a, uh, trying to find a parking space. And the Lord asks him, do you have a problem with anger? Now, when God asks you a question like that, be careful. He said, uh, brother Joseph, do you have a problem with anger? Oh, no, Lord, I'm, I think I'm okay. I'm pretty good with that. About that time, somebody cuts in front of him and takes his parking space. Now, I know we've all been there. And what did he do? He parked his car or he parked right behind him and got out and let her have it. And right in the middle of it, she said, oh, father, I'm so sorry. He had on his uh, bishop. I don't know what you call it. Clerical collar. And all of a sudden, complete embarrassment and humility came over him. And uh, later that day, the Lord asked him another question. You know, do you have a problem with whatever? And he's like, oh, yes, Lord, I do. I have a a terrible problem. (laughs) You know, when the Lord asks you, he knows the answer. How many of you have ever had a situation, you know, and you're serving the Lord and you're walking and you're doing good. And then something happens and you do something and you step away from the moment and think, I didn't even know that was in me. Who was that that did that? You know, we need to be true to ourselves and realize we have not arrived. It's a humbling experience to be able to say, I don't have it all together. I don't. We don't have it all together. He tests us so that we can see what our issues are and so that it will go well with me. God's testing, even though it may hurt, even though it may embarrass me, is to make me better. You know, you don't learn anything by, 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 yeah, by succeeding. You learn by failing. Second Samuel chapter 22, 28 says, you save the humble, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them low. Hey, if you don't care, hit that first one again. All right, now hit the next one. There we go. First Peter chapter five, verse six says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Who is our promoter? God. God is our promoter. Uh, If you if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to this one. Let's turn to the uh, Mark chapter five, verse twenty four. Told you all I was going to start doing this more. Mark. Chapter 5, verse 24. Chapter 5, verse 24. Are you all ready? All right, I'm going to start right in the middle. A large crowd followed him and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He turned to the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see, the people... You see the people crowding against you. His disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. 
Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This woman was desperate. She was desperate. She had suffered. She had been bleeding for 12 years. She had endured many medical cures. I have watched a, uh, I have watched a recent documentary on John Adams. Uh, it was a HBO special. Um, and to see what people had to endure in that day, um, having surgery with no anesthesia, um, the smallpox, how they, how, how they had to, uh, administer the vaccine by cutting it off of a child or an adult that had it, that child just, or that they had a child that just traveled around from house to house infected with smallpox, having to cut off little pieces of it to put in everyone's blood. And this person dying just had to drive around in the back of a wooden cart and just be hauled and taken from house to house for people to get it. Not only were they suffering from smallpox, but this person had to continually be cut on so that others could benefit from it. I mean, it's just, it's just awful. But yet here she is suffering, and she had suffered many cures. She had suffered, suffered many medical treatments. She had consulted many doctors, and she was hopelessly incurable. In fact, this scripture says that she had grown worse with the treatment that she had been getting. She hadn't gotten better. She'd gotten worse. She had sought the world and everything the world had to offer and nothing was helping her. But what was the key? It says when she heard about Jesus. Um, someone came up to me and was telling me tonight about someone that, that is an, uh, an atheist. And I'm not going to point out any, anybody in this, but I want you to know when you hear about Jesus, a seed gets planted. That seed will not return void. But it will start to grow. Like, like the, this little bit of uh, yeast that can take over the whole dough. That seed has been planted. But she had heard about Jesus. And she said, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. She was willing to go against the system. You know, as a woman that's bleeding, she would have been considered unclean. She would have been unwelcome in society, socially isolated. She didn't wait for Jesus to have supernatural insight. She didn't stand over by the side and say, well, if it's God's will, he will walk over to me and prophesy and lay hands on me. I want you to know, church, I have sat in services where I thought that. I need God so bad, but the pastor will know it and he'll come do something for me. Or someone in the congregation will know it and prophesy over me. And it doesn't happen. The woman with the issue of blood, I want you to know, would not have been healed had she not pushed her way through. If I could just touch him. She pushed her way through the crowd. Think about how you would react if your three-year-old got away from you at a UT football game when the game ended. If you've ever been to a big event like that, and a lot of people will leave early, but let's say it's against 
Alabama, and they beat them in the last second. Weaver's a big Alabama fan. And everybody's stuck around, and it's a championship game, and your child gets away from you. What would you do? You would steamroll over everybody. And I believe that that's what she did here. I believe it was so congested for, for the people around Jesus to say, how could you know? Well, then it had to have been elbow to elbow being shoved in every direction. Yet she pushed her way. She pushed her way through. He was her only hope. She shoved her way through and that didn't do it. That wasn't enough. She reached out and she touched him. What did she do? She exercised her faith. She said it and then she went and did it. Faith without works is dead. She went and she, she made the move. Her persistence is rewarded not to suggest healing or any other work of God is earned by human effort, but it illustrates the need to be bold in what we believe. To not be deterred by the circumstance or by the discouragement of others. What can we learn from her? That Jesus honors our faith no matter how small. And that Jesus is approachable in every circumstance. Was it important what he was going to do? He was going to the house of Jairus to heal his daughter. For so many of us, it'd be, don't bother me right now. I've got to take this phone call. Don't bother me right now. This is more important. Jesus is on his way. He's been called. He has been asked to go. And he's going. And he stops. And not only does he stop, but he says, your faith. Who did that? I can feel that. And I want to talk to you. I could feel it, and I want to talk to you. But finally, Jesus has compassion on the needy who come to him in faith. She was just a regular person, just like you and me. I'm going to close with one more. Second Kings, turn with me to Second Kings chapter 4. Church, I'm not telling you this just to give you some good insight. I'm telling you this to try to help jumpstart your walk with Christ, your walk with Jesus and having a personal relationship. One that you start to believe that you can call on him for your help. Second Kings chapter four, verse one. I'm in first Kings. Okay, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead and you know that he's revered, that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me what you have in your house. Do you remember that Joe McGee said the same thing that Jesus, when he healed, he always asked, what do you need? How important it is that we say what we need. So many times if you come down here to pray, and I'm not trying to, uh, I'll just tell you, when you come down here to pray, I want to know what you're believing for. 
It's hard for me to believe for something you're not believing for. What are you believing for? That's where I'm going to pray. One thing you need to remember when you're asking God, you cannot exceed his. You can't even think up a blessing great enough that he that he's able to bless you with. That he's able to he's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could think or ask. So what, what, what kind of reaction does that, does that give you in asking? I want to ask for all I can think of. Not in selfishness, but when I'm praying over my wife for healing, I want her totally healed. I don't want just some, I don't, I don't want some decent report. I want a great report. Now, she had, she had gotten a biopsy done on the fly. It had to be frozen when she had this thing taken out of her throat. It had to be frozen, which, which diminished the value of the biopsy, but it at least could tell them had they gotten all they need to get. So they did that biopsy, came back great. They wrapped everything up today. She got the report, nothing. There's nothing. They've gone and done all the slicing and dicing and good, good report. I was looking at that sheet that I was praying over my 40 days and I was like, hallelujah, check that one off. Hallelujah, check that one off. Now, wait a minute, God, I'm not done. I got more exceedingly abundantly more than I could think or ask. So I'm not capable of asking for more than he can do. So do it, God. And, and God, don't be limited to what I'm asking for. Do you see the importance of asking? You got to ask. Don't come up and expect me to know what, what's going on in your life. Tell me. Tell the Lord, you're really telling the Lord. I, I represent a, a pathway to the presence of God and to the laying on of hands. You know, when you go to David Tremblay or you go to your Sunday school teacher, my parents or, you know, anybody, the person next to you. We have Jesus Christ in our heart. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you, when I lay hands on you, it's as though Jesus lays hands on you. Why? Because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit who was sent just like Jesus. So tell what say. This is what I need. This is what I'm asking for. Okay, then let's pray for that. Jesus said, what do you need? Well, I want to see. Then see. I want to walk. Then walk. You want to be healed? Then let's be healed. Amen? It's starting to get good. Okay, the husband's dead. Creditors are coming to take their kids. Elisha replied, how can I help you? Your servant has nothing at all. She said, except a little oil. Elisha said, go, on, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. You catch that? Don't ask for just a few. You keep asking. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars as each is filled and put... Uh, put it to one side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars and they kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not any jars left. And the oil stopped flowing. She, uh, do I still have the rest? She went and told, she went and told the man of God. Uh, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. She was just looking for help for the now, and she got blessed for the future. She got more than what she expected. Now, in her desperation, 
she sought the Lord through the prophet. She knew that he could help her. She knew that God was her only hope. How do we know this? Not only did she seek God, but she did what she was asked. He could have told her, go and get jars, and she could have said, ah, I just don't feel right. That's just not right. Just fill the jars that I have. No, I don't, I don't want to impose on anybody. But he didn't just say, go get some. He said, go keep asking. Don't just get a few. She went and asked for jars. She could have said, if it's God's will, people will just show up with jars at my house. Publisher's Clearinghouse will have some great thing that they, they bless people with jars. That sounds funny, but that's how we think. If it's God's will, it'll just fall in my lap. I've prayed that way. Lord, let a check show up in my mail. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes it has. But it's normally not what I'm looking for. But the Lord says, no, go get jars. The, Lord, the prophet said, what do you have? She said, I got oil. That's it. That's all it'll take. God uses what you got. You don't have to have something else. He'll use what you got. So she goes and gets it. Did she stop and say, I'm not going to go get it? No, she was proactive. She did what the prophet told her to do, and God responded. And the provision, the provision was in, a, in, in proportion to the amount of her faith. It was in proportion to the amount of her belief. She exercised her faith. We must believe that God is able to supply our needs even when we have no idea how. That's faith. When we know the how, when we can see how we can make it work and kind of make it work ourselves, that's not faith. But when there's no way of getting help any other way than God somehow coming through for a miracle, that's faith. And at church, I know for a fact that's where we are, that's where you are, I know that. God's got to come through. Tell him what, where you are. He already knows. But tell him anyway. And then put your words to action. Get in the word. When the Lord speaks to you, even if it seems kind of strange and you're at Walmart and the Lord tells you to go tap on somebody and pray for somebody, do it. Or maybe to pick up the phone and call somebody or visit someone in the hospital. Realize when you visit that person in the hospital, you are visiting Jesus. You have done that for him. Amen? Go push your way through for your blessing. Don't wait for it to show up with Ed McMahon. It's not going to happen. I think you got a better chance of winning that than uh, getting struck by lightning. You remember those odds? The lottery? Better chance of getting struck by lightning. Better chance of getting to take a trip to the moon. Your chances are great with God. They're not chances. It's not, a it's not a possibility. It's a given. Father, I thank you for tonight. And Lord, I thank you for increasing our faith. Lord, I thank you for these, this time of prayer and fasting. I thank you for this Seed Sunday. That, that You know what it's doing is it's causing us to move towards you. It's causing us to, to believe in you. 
Thank you, Lord. I thank you for all the blessings that you've already poured out upon us as a church and us individually. But Lord, I thank you for for answering the 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 call to the, the situations that we're facing right now. Lord, I lift all of my situations up to you. And Lord, I ask you to help. I can't do this on my own over this church, over my family. Lord, over this church body. I ask you, as each person right now is crying out to you, Lord, help. You are our very present help in time of need. Now, bless us, Lord. Bless tomorrow night at Cumberland Presbyterian Church. I ask you to bless that church. Lord, I just ask you to bless this coming Sunday. Thank you for saving us, for caring for us, for having mercy and favor on us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Hope you have a great rest of the week.